Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Man, who doesn't love that story, right? Um, I love how God's moving in people in our church. I love the way God continues to just elevate our faith through the stories of one another. And if you know Aaron and Jessica, you know that they are just some of the best encouragers and best they make you feel good every time you're around them, you know what I mean? I, I've been encouraged in the most unique ways by them. I've never been told, man, you preach so good, I almost threw my shoe at you. But I've been told that. And so here's the deal. If, if shoes start flying at me, just know that I'm doing a good job. Just, just make them good shoes in size 11, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man, they're just such good encouragers. And their story, man, it was just... Thank you for building a bridge. How many of you guys are thankful for that, right? Yeah. I'm loving this little 10 story segment we've been doing because here's what I know fire is more caught than taught. How many of you guys know that? Like, fire is caught, more, it is caught more than taught. I know for us where the fire spreads is through the power of story. And as we continue to tell our story, listen, you have a story. And we believe you have a story, and we believe God is moving in your life, and we would just encourage you. We would just encourage you, tell your story of how, how, about how God is moving. Because even though we're going to learn how to build a fire, tend to fire, take care of the fire that God's building in our hearts in this church, we know that the best way someone else gets to taste and see how good the Lord is is when they catch the fire through the movement that God is doing in your life. So tell your story, amen? All right, well, listen, it's hard to believe that we're eight stories in. We're getting close to our official 10-year anniversary and... Uh, you know, that story right there is just another example of how God has been moving in this church. And I just want to take a little bit of time, if it's all right, at the beginning of this message to talk about the next couple weeks. Because I believe we are, we are truly in a holy moment. Because everything that's happening over the next three weeks has more, it's more than just an event. It's more than just a gathering. It is truly, like I'm saying, kind of a holy season and a holy moment we are in. And, and there's multiple layers to it. There's the layer of we're going to be celebrating 10 years as a church family, that's amazing. We're going to be celebrating Jesus and his resurrection, right? Like that's the best part. We're also celebrating and remembering and continuing to steward the way God is moving in the church. We've heard more testimonies of people giving their life to Jesus, of people experiencing healing and breakthrough, of people experiencing families being restored. We've heard more stories like that in the last few months than we've ever had in the history of our church. So I know that God is pouring out his spirit. God is moving. He's building a fire in people. And so as we talk over these next few minutes, as I share things that are happening, I want you to know... All those things are being considered. That's why it's a holy moment. And so first of all, here we go. I'm going to touch on a number of things. They'll be on the screen to help support because I want you to keep up with all this stuff, all right? Tomorrow night, we are having our last Monday night prayer of the spring, all right? And we are doing it completely different. I'm very excited about it. We're doing really what could be best called a Monday night burn. We're going to be burning for a while. It's going to be 6 to 9 p.m., and it's continuous worship. And, and here's the deal. It's a come and go. If you, if you can't stay all three hours, that's fine. But it, you, it's a come and stay if you want to. And you can stay the whole time. And so, listen, the idea is that you could come and you can sit in God's presence without being rushed. We've been doing Monday night prayer. I think we're somewhere about, oh, 20-something uh, weeks in this school year of doing Monday night prayer. And it's been really the center of the heat, if you will, the fire that God is building. 
It's radiating out of prayer. God is calling his people to prayer. And so tomorrow night, I want to invite you to come. If, if 8 p.m. has always been the, the stumbling block for you, we're starting at 6 p.m. If you've not been yet, I'm just gonna, I just want to encourage you to come. It's not weird, I promise. Prayer nights can be weird. This one, it won't be. It won't be weird. If you're like, I don't know about prayer nights, just li- listen, prayers for everyone. You know what I mean? Everything begins and ends with Thank you very much. All right, so that's happening tomorrow night. You can come and go. You can come and stay, whatever you want to do. Then, like I said, we're combining this 10-year kind of celebration with Holy Week and all that's coming up in just a couple weeks. And so really the season between March 29th and April 9th is a very, very specific, very focused, intentional time. Um, and, and here's where it starts. Um, March 29th, Wednesday, March 29th, we're having a night of worship here in the Tower Theater we're going to be having our friend Stephen Thorne with us to lead in worship. If you don't know Stephen, he was our worship leader for nine years, all the way from the beginning. He left last year to move to Texas, and we just felt like we couldn't celebrate 10 years without involving him in some way, so I'm thankful he's going to be with us. And really, that night kicks off kind of a 12-day run. That's day one, and then the next day, on Thursday, March 30th, we will kick off 10 days of prayer. And we figured 10 days of prayer might be a good way to honor God for 10 years of blessing this church. So Thursday morning, March 30th through Saturday, April 8th, which is the day before Easter, uh, we, will be, we will be doing 10 days of prayer. And now this year we are changing things up a bit, um, just slightly. We have signups for one-hour prayer shifts between 5 a.m., and 11 p.m. every day. We are not doing overnight prayer, but we are adding something new. We're adding a daily component for everyone to pray with us every day during the 10 days. So we're going to be having what's called a 10-day prayer journal that includes daily devotional and prayer direction each day. You'll be getting that next week. So that's the Sunday before the Thursday next week. Everybody's getting like a pretty nice journal next week. So it's a good week to show up. Free giveaways, right? So it's a pretty nice journal. And so you'll be given, we'll be giving those out next week. Our kids' ministry is doing 10 days of prayer too. There's like a simple, simplified version for our kids' ministry. It's really cute. It's really cool for parents to lead through their kids. So the idea is don't just show up to the prayer room one time in 10 days. Come to the prayer room one, two, three, however many times you want during the 10 days. But then every day... Engage in united prayer through what we're doing through this prayer journal. There's a word for every day. There's a direction for every day. It's going to be a powerful way for us to unite in prayer. Sound good? Sound good? All right. It's going to be good. I I believe it. So so next week, be here because we're giving out the journals. And really, you need to be here every week for the next few weeks. It's just we got so much going on. During the next 10 days, we, of course, will be doing um, not just this 10 days of prayer, but during that 10 days we'll do on Sunday, April 2nd, we will stop and celebrate properly as our church family will celebrate 10 years as a church. So if you've only been with us 10 days, one day, or 10 years, uh, you're invited, right? And so this, this is a can miss Sunday. Uh, basically, um, what's going to be going on that day is a couple different things. We're going to have, a, of course, service at 1030. It's going to be a special service. We've got a lot of great things Planned that I think will make the day meaningful, memorable. We're going to invite you to be here for that. Of course, you can invite people with you. Then that evening, 4 to 7 p.m., we are having the most epic of all church picnic parties. Uh, so here's the details I want to give you. We haven't really went through the details yet. But the location is Scissor Tail Park, downtown Oklahoma City, just south of the Paycom Center. Um, 
Where we'll be meeting is the pavilions right next to the playground, right across the street from the, from the new, uh, uh, what do they call that, the new convention center. It's right there. So think of this. If you're like, oh, I can come for 30 minutes, think of, I want to explain it to you. This is actually like a whole thing, like for three hours. The first half from 4 to 5.30, we're going to be having dinner from Spark. If you've never had Spark, it's burgers. They're really delicious. All right? And so come. We'll have food. We'll have, uh, what else? We got face painting for kids. We got photo ops, fun, all around fun vibes happening from 4 to 5.30. Then part two of the picnics at 5.30 to 7 is we walk over to the sport courts area, which is right across the bridge. It's a short walk. We reserve, so it's just ours. We don't have any other scrubs showing up. We reserve the basketball courts. I mean, people that we love in Jesus' name. Um, we got the basketball courts. We got the four pickleball courts. We got the uh, futsal soccer court, for those of you who like soccer over basketball for some reason. Um, and we're going to have a fun little competition, mini tournaments. You don't have to be able to know how to play these things to have fun. We're going to have some fun. You guys want to have fun? So here's the deal. We're not just going to do that. We also, this is my favorite part, we got Tiger Safari Mobile Zoo coming. I think they have baby tigers. I'm not kidding. And they have baby kangaroos. And I heard they have a crocodile, which I don't really understand how that works. But I'm in. And so if you want to see tigers on the loose in Oklahoma City, show up at Scissortail Park. It's going to be amazing. We have snow cones during that time. You can feed that to the tiger as well. So... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not something we typically do, but I thought, hey, if there's ever a time, this is a good one. Let's throw a party. Y'all with me? Of course, it's all free. It's all going to be incredible, and that sounds awesome. So I'm not done. There's more, right? More to share. April 2nd, that day we're celebrating, is also Palm Sunday, which means it's the start of Holy Week. And so we are going to be we are going to be celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus and celebrating all He's done and His victory over sin, and moving towards Easter. So we have a couple things happening during Holy Week where we will be in the midst of ten days of prayer. So a lot of you will be coming to the prayer room. You'll be doing the prayer journal. But then on Good Friday we have two gatherings: one at seven a.m. and one at noon. Special gathering. I love our Good Friday gatherings. We've done them for the last few years, but it's a time to where we come together and we, of course celebrate and remember what Christ has done. It's a time of remembering what he's his sacrifice on the cross. We'll have communion. We'll have worship. It lasts 50 minutes. It's with this in mind. We know a lot of you still have to work on that day, so maybe you can come in before work at 7 a.m., or maybe you can take an extended lunch at noon. For those of you off work, you can choose whichever one you want to and join us. Uh, we will be meeting next door, and so we'd love for you to come for Good Friday. And then that all leads us to the ultimate celebration, really the thing that pushes all this thing. And I'm so thankful that it's really kind of we saved the best for last. April 9th, Easter Sunday, we'll have one big service, 1030. You're like, how are we going to do it? We're going to add chairs in here. We're going to fit people in. We're going to add kids' rooms. We believe this will be the biggest, largest kind of attended gathering in OKC community history just based upon how we've been growing lately. So this is going to be a cool day. It's going to be an exciting day about, about how God is moving in this church. And, and as you can see, this, our theme that day is loved. Now, most of you don't know this, but that was that graphic and that theme was our very first service 10 years ago. And, and we thought, what better way to honor the story of what God's done, just to go back to our roots. And plus, there's no better message for humanity than you are loved by God. And so we're going to be sharing that. That's our theme for Easter, that, that we are loved. And so, again, invite, invite, bring family, bring friends to Easter. I think it's going to be an incredible day where we get to just share the love of Christ with one another. So, my friends, 
if you haven't figured it out yet, it's time, right? It is time to continue to not only build the fire, but to spread the fire, right? To spread it with what God's doing, and it starts tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at Monday Night Prayer, we feel like that is the perfect way to continue to, to, to launch all these things happening over the next few weeks. But I just want you to imagine for a minute, and then I'm going to pray. Imagine just a few weeks of this body being able to do everything from play pickleball, hold tigers, to have moments of communion, holy moments within the prayer room where we are humbling ourselves before the Father, that we get to experience the elation and the celebration of having fun with Jesus and the communion and the intimacy with our loving Father who has given his life for us. That is a beautiful picture of what it means to be the body of Christ. So I'm excited about the next few weeks. Are you guys excited? All right. Let me pray, and then we'll get into the actual message today. I think we should read the Bible together. What do you think? Yeah? All right. Let me pray. Father, we give you these dreams. We give you these hopes. We give you these plans. We want every single thing we do to honor you. Father, we pray as we turn our attention to your scriptures, that you'll teach us today, that you'll inspire us, that you'll, you'll put hope in people, you'll put life in people today, will you pour out your spirit. Lord, we open our hearts. In, in fact, you might even say that right now. Lord, I open my heart and ask you to come and speak to me today. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, we are in week 12 of the series we've been doing since the beginning of the year called Fire in Our Hearts. Everyone say fire in our hearts. Fire in our hearts. Oh, man. I want to spend a few minutes in John chapter 18 today. What a great day so far. That story was powerful. Worship was powerful. And I, and I believe this word for us today was going to be so, so helpful. But I want to be in John 18. If you have a Bible, you can open to that if you want. We're also going to be over in Exodus 3. And as we are drawing closer to Easter... It's imperative that we start to really turn our attention as people to the story of what Christ has done for each and every one of us. And many people around the world, maybe not in this room, but around the world, may wonder if Jesus is more mythical than he is historical. But Jesus, and I think a lot of you would agree with this, is more historically accurate, and he is actually more historically analyzed than any other human of all time. There is absolutely zero historical doubt that Jesus lived when the Bible says he lived, that his ministry and his works were verified by numerous eyewitnesses and accounts, giving validity not only to his existence, but even to his teachings and even to his miracles. There are even historical records outside of the Christian faith through Jewish historians, Roman historians, that verify the very things we read in the Bible, including, of course, most importantly, that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified by the Romans in Jerusalem. And, and even the resurrection is one of the most verified historical events in ancient history. There are more written accounts and eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus than there are to many of the historical events that none of us doubt or question, but we see as fact. So not to mention all those things to prove what Jesus did. But if Jesus had not been resurrected... I think Scott made this point last week, but if they had not been resurrected, why would the disciples who days before his resurrection deserted him, betrayed him, and denied him? 
If you think about this, this is some of the best proof. Before the resurrection, the disciples' faith was a bit shaky. But there is no evidence that any apostle or any close follower of Jesus deserted him, denied him, or betrayed him after the resurrection. All of them gave their life for him. They were shaky. He gets arrested. When he gets arrested, right, they're deserting him. That's what we're going to read about in John 18. John 18, starting in verse 1, a bit of a moment where Jesus was betrayed and deserted soon after he's denied by Peter. But John 18, verse 1. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with the disciples. So Judas, of course the betrayer, came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. I love this moment. I've always imagined the power of this moment. He says, I am he, and everybody falls down. (laughs) This is the original moment, and it's the ultimate moment where someone said, I'm him. Anybody know know the trendy statement that's circulating in the sports world, he's him, I'm him? Anybody heard this? You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't because, you know, only the cool kids are saying it, so do the math. (laughs) But it it started, let me me give you some background. It started in in sports. Athletes would say this. Somebody makes a great move, a big shot. They say, say, man, he's him. He's him. He's the man. So he might, if it's someone who's really, they might say, I'm him. Our own Shea Gilgis-Alexander, our star, Oklahoma City Thunder player, right? He makes a game-winning shot in in, in Washington, D.C. early this year. He he posts later, I'm Hemi Carter. I thought it was cool. Like, I'm him, but he, I'm Hemi Carter. You watch it. it doesn't matter. You got to think. But I love it. I'm Hemi Carter. Listen. Listen. When you trash talk, you might say, I'm him. It's, it's another way of saying, I'm the man. I'm the man, right? Listen. What I love about this moment in John 18, sometimes I got to treat, teach out of the Urban Dictionary. Listen, Jesus said it first. He said, I'm him 2,000 years ago. He's like, listen, prophetic word here, I'm him. Right? He says, I'm him. Everyone falls over when he says it. How many of you guys know there is power in the name of Jesus? Look at your neighbor and say, he's him. Look at your other neighbor and say, he's him. Say it louder. I want to keep reading. Verse 7. Again, he asked them, I love this moment, who is it that you said that you want? They're on the ground. (laughs) They get up, uh, Jesus of Nazareth? We'll get into that in a minute. Don't you think that, he just said that. Why Why are they saying it again? Really important. Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I 
am he. I'm him. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. This is one of my, I love, don't you love this moment? I'm going to keep reading just for a minute because there's some, there's some good stuff in this. This happened so that the words he had spoke would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. How many know that sometimes we try and be him? But he, Peter's not him. He's him. Jesus is like, bro, Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with, his, with the commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. In one of the other gospel accounts, it says that Jesus healed the man with the, with, the, with the ear that got cut off. And they still arrested him. They fell over. I, I just want you to know, like, the sidebar here, sidebar. <clears throat> Who is in control in this story? They fell over. He heals the guy whose ear was cut off. Don't ever fall for the lie that someone took Jesus' life. He willingly gave it. Listen, Jesus went with them. They arrested him. They arrested him. He's like, yeah, 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 go ahead. I got a plan. I'm about to save all y'all. Jesus is our willing sacrifice. Hmm. The statement, I am he, is an identifying name that goes all the way back to Exodus 3. Jesus is making a direct link to the ancient holy name, the great I am. This is a pretty powerful sort of connection Jesus makes, not just once in this story, but you'll see time and time again. But I want to take us back to the origin port of this name because you have to get the name to get what Jesus is saying. Exodus chapter 3, Moses has been called by God to do an unbelievable task. In Exodus 3.10, God says this to Moses. So we're 2,000 years before Jesus. And he says, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses was just tending his flock, keeping to himself. He had already fled Egypt. He was in hiding And he was not wanting to be bothered. And here God comes to him, calls him to go back to the most powerful man in the world at the time, the Egyptian Pharaoh, and to demand that man to release two million slaves. (laughs) So Exodus 3.11, next verse, Moses says what most of us would say, but maybe even in a more tame way. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is like, are you serious? Like, don't you know that I can't do that? Don't you know I don't have that in me? Don't you know? Uh, Moses is like, who am I? And that question, who am I, that's a pretty epic sort of question, isn't it? Who am I? And, of course, when he says it, it's a, it's a, it's a question not of, like, who am I? Like, what's, he's asking, like, I, I don't have it in me. Who am I? I bring nothing to the table. I'm not prepared to do what you've called me to do. Who am I to do this? Who am I to build the bridge? Right? Look at how the Lord answers Moses' question. I love God's response to this. Exodus 3.12. And God said, I will be with you. Who am I? I will be with you. It's a funny way to answer a question. God doesn't say, what do you mean you're Moses? You're Hemi Carter, bro. Like he doesn't, he's not like, listen, you're the man. You're strong. You got this. No, he says, I will be with you. Who am I? Oh, your identity, it begins with this. I will be with you. 
I think God's making a little bit of a point here because how many times do we in our life, do we think that our, our status or our qualification for, com- for something comes from who we are, what we've accomplished? But God occasionally will remind us that all of the qualification, affirmation, encouragement, power, confidence, and assurance you need is found in the identifying mark. When God says, who are you? He answers it with this, I will be with you. Then Moses has the courage to ask in verse 13. This will bring us back to Jesus' words. He says in verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So he's asking, hey, so what am I going to tell? Who's sending me? Moses, a person, a person just like you and me, is having an out loud conversation with the creator of the universe, and he has the guts to ask him his name. I like Moses. So Moses has asked, who am I? And now he's asking, who are you, God? Pretty good questions. Who am I? Who is God? And God didn't have to answer him, yet without hesitation, he does. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is one of the most significant and beautiful sentences in the Bible. Over the years, I've talked about the power of the name I am a few different times, but it never, ever gets old. Because there's something about God that we'll never fully understand. Like, God is hard to understand, but he gives us a glimpse into who he is in this name that he tells Moses. He says, listen, I am. I am the creator of the universe. I am the center of everything. I am the owner of everything. I am the same every day. I am running the show. I am the giver of life. I am the answers you need. I am your hope. I am your past. I am your present. I am your future. I am your savior. I am more than enough. I am inexhaustible. I am immeasurable. I am incredible. I am unlimited. I'm the beginning and the end. I am for you. I am also for them. I am not going anywhere. I am all powerful. I am all hope. I am all love. I am God. I am who I am. The name I am is powerful. The name I am in the Hebrew was the name Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Listen, listen. Yahweh. There's no vowels. Yahweh. One more time. Yahweh. One more. Yahweh. We got to do this together. Good, 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 good. That was just for fun. For centuries, for centuries, this name wasn't even a name. It was a sound. It was, what's my name? Yahweh. Moses was like, I don't even know what that is. Yahweh. It's like the sound of breathing. Yahweh. Sound of life. Yahweh. It didn't mean I am. He didn't hear audibly, oh, his name is I am. I am became to mean Yahweh. In the beginning, it was a sound. It was so sacred, so holy, the Israelites wouldn't even say it out loud. They made, up, they made up substitute names for it. Adonai, Jehovah, Elohim. These are all names for the Lord, but they were replacement for Yahweh. It was so sacred and so holy. So you can imagine the tension that Jesus brings when he claimed to be I am. 
This was the name they wouldn't even say out loud. And he's sitting here claiming, I am. There's an instance in John 8. John 8, he's asked and being questioned about who he was. And this is how he answered. He says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm him. And they picked up stones to stone him. They're upset. If you ever wonder why, what was Jesus I mean, why was everybody so wound up about Jesus? Because he said, I'm him. The great I am, that's me. These words were considered blasphemous. They wanted to kill him. So I want to go back to John 18 and verse 6. It says this. You can put it up there. When Jesus said, I am he, remember this moment? They drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth. So this is the second time they already fell to the ground. They said, and then, and then Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. I love that line. I told you that I am he. Right? Why? When he asked it the first time, and he said, I am he, they fell over, they get back up, they don't feel like he answered the question. He already answered. They did not hear, oh, yeah, that's me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph and Mary. They didn't hear that. What they heard was, who is it that you want? We want Jesus of Nazareth. Yahweh. Boom. <laughs> they stood up like, what just happened? Who is it that you want? I told you. Yahweh. John, the writer of this gospel, he wrote this with intentional usage around Jesus' language of I am. John uses it, of course, in John 8, John 18 right here. We've read those two. But he also says it a lot of other times. We come to know them as the seven I am statements of Jesus that are found in the Gospel of John. You guys know that they are, right? I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He wasn't just saying it like Jesus of Nazareth is. He's saying, listen, I am all these things because I am the great I am. And I love, I love going back to Moses' story for just a second. I love when he did ask that question, who am I? And Moses, Moses is like, who am I, God? And he answers the question, what? I will be with you, right? And it just makes me think of like all the times in the life that this little moment, this, this reality of God's identity and our identity, his identity, he is the great I am. Our identity, he is with us. When I think about that, it's like I, all these, who am I, God? I am with you. Where do I go for help, God? I am with you. I'm not sure I can do this. I am with you. I feel lost, God. I am with you. I feel broken, God. I am with you. God is always telling us through his word, but also through his name that he is with us in every battle in every circumstance, in every hope, in every need, God is with you. 
We can never hear that enough. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know why you came here today. Some of you come here because you come here every week. But just because you come here every week doesn't mean that God doesn't have something for you today. Some of you came here and it's your first time here, your third time here, your fifth time here, and you're like, is this the place for me? Listen, I don't know if this is the place for you, but I know that God is the God for you. I hope this is the place for you, but listen, God wants you to know something today, that he is the great I am, and that you, who are you? He just wants you to know I will be with you. For every cry and every need, there is one answer. I need help. I am. I need hope. I am. What works? I am. What lasts? I am. What's the latest thing? I am. Nothing seems real anymore. I am. Who can I trust? I am. Who's really my friend? I am. Who can I celebrate with? I am. I'm not sure why I'm here. I am. I'm tired, I am. I can't, I am. I quit, I am. I'm lost, I am. I need help, I am. What about my family, I am. What about my marriage, I am. What about my school, I am. What about my future, I am. How will I get through this battle, I am. I don't know if I can do it anymore, God. I am. What about, what about my friends, I am. What about, God, I don't even know if you're real anymore. I am. Nobody's listening to me. I am. The name I am is this constant reality that reverberates throughout the history of this world. And when we encounter the story of Jesus and this name that is the core of why he was hated but also why he was loved. Because Jesus, he came and he proclaimed that I am him. I'm him. And we get to go back and say, you know what everybody? He's him. He's him. He's the man. He's the great I am. He was and is and is to come. Do you need to rest in the power of his name today? Do you need to rest in the reality that God is with you? See, God can set you free. He can set you free of your worry and your anxiety and your wondering and your doubts. God doesn't say life will be perfect, but God does say, I will be with you every step of the way. I will be with you on the mountain, but I will be with you in the valley. I've said it many times before, we love the mountain, but we don't know how to walk through the valley. You can only get through the valley one way, with the Lord. Maybe you need to receive, I am with you today. So I wanna pray for us, and as we close, we're gonna pray, we're gonna sing, but I'm gonna really invite you to respond today. I mean, this word is, is the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus. And I believe it demands a response from us to say, God, I just want more of you in my life. I want to get rid of the things that don't surrender to you. And I want to surrender it all. So if you would pray with me, just bow your heads. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Then I'm just going to invite you to just respond. But Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. We invite you to move in us right now, God. Lord, we don't, 
we don't come here, Father, for any other purpose than to lift you up. And so, Father, in this moment, as we're able to lift you up, Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be able to say, less of me, God, and more of you. In this moment, less of me, God, and more of you. Let me just ask you a few questions with your heads bowed. Let me just ask you, do you want an encounter with the Lord? Do you want an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Do you need one? Are you hungry and thirsty for more of God in your life? If the answer is yes, listen, you don't need to wait anymore. There's nothing getting in your way. Maybe you're calling out and wondering, will he help me? And you just got to remember, who will help you? I am. Who's listening? I am. God, are you real? I am. God, do you care? I am. As we worship in a moment, this altar is open, and I encourage you to just be led by the Spirit. If the Spirit is prompting you to come and pray, then do it. If you need to come to this altar, do it. If you need to pray with the prayer team leader, do it. If you need to sit in your chair while we sing and thank the Lord for the blessings he's given you in your life, then do it. If you need God to be the great I am over a circumstance in your life, if you're overwhelmed or you're hurting or you're lost and you need to give it to him today, then do it. Listen to this. You need to stop trying to be him or be her and let him be him. I want to make one more invitation before we sing. If today you're ready to receive Christ, you know in your heart of hearts you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Well, today can be that day. The scriptures say today can be the day of your salvation. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you call on the name of the Lord, then you will be saved. It's a simple act of surrender. It's saying to God, Lord, I, I want to give you my life. And that's the prayer we use a lot around here. So if, you just, if you're ready to receive Christ today, I want to invite you to pray. Just pray this prayer right now to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just pray that prayer. Whisper it to him. Jesus, I give you my life. Then say, I invite you in. I invite you in to be the Lord of my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Just pray this to him. I ask for forgiveness of my sin, and I surrender my life to you. Surrender my life to you. Everybody's heads bowed. I'm just curious, like, how the Lord's moving. Anybody pray that prayer? Just be bold right now. I'm the only one looking, but I just want to pray over you. Would you just lift your hand if you prayed that prayer today? That's good. Okay. God, thank you for anybody, Father, that's just praying right now and just receiving you as their Savior. Would you seal this moment in their heart that, Father, you, they are planted in good soil right now in the name of Jesus. We're just going to pray for more of God in this room as we sing. So, Lord, we give you this time as we respond to you in song and in prayer and in time at the altar and time and time just sitting in your presence, Lord. We give it to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? If you prayed, Jesus, I give you my life. Come forward. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. If you just want to come, this altar's open. Our prayer team is available. We'd love to meet with you. But let's, let's respond to him.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.